I think I'm pretty good today. Like, nothing really <laughs> going off. I'm going to go slip out here about three. And, of course, you say that, and all of the shit that's flying around just falls right in your, right in your lap. Right. And so he was, like, stuck there until, like, six or seven. So awesome. It's the worst. Good times. That's, that's kind of a, um, I mean... I was wondering when that was actually going to kick in, like, in the, yeah. the busy corporate world, but, um, I don't know, you'll, you'll pull through. Are you, like, it's eating up my weekends, and it just, it sucks. Yeah. I, I when it goes beyond the work keep, week. Right. You gotta keep your cards close with your, co- like, with coworkers and stuff, because, like, the second you tell them, like, I have something fun planned, then they're, yeah. they, like, immediately, that's... Like, oh, no, no, fuck yeah. you. No, 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 yeah. If I can't have fun, then no one can have fun. Or, or I will, I was planning on having fun, and since I'm your yeah. superior, you will no longer be having fun. Holy shit, like, sorry, I had, like, like five programs just opened for no reason. <laughs> um, can you see me yet? My, like, flat, my flash is all messed up. Jesus Christ. Can you, is this even, can you hear me now? Yeah. Like, seriously, like, four versions of my, right before you messaged me, I closed everything on my computer and made sure it was all, like, super spiffy clean, and literally, like, five instances of Maya, which is, like, the most memory-eating program, just popped up. (laughs) For no reason. How's uh how's wedding planning going? Uh, it's going good. I I told yeah. her to PM me on Facebook with any um decisions as far as colors or floral arrangements. Yeah. Uh, so. Because I don't I don't want it on my wall necessarily. Right. So um, like burnt orange and uh like uh, vomit green is that? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're going with a, a bile a bile and oh, an excrement themed it's, wedding. It's a classic seasonal color. Yeah. Or uh, anarchy red and black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I and then I was gonna do my hair in a pompadour. Oh, it's gonna be so good. And for I feel like that's the sort of thing you have to plan ahead for. Like you gotta grow that out. Yeah, it's yeah, certain. yeah. No, I I'm that's, already. I, I've that's already got months of training with pompadour. Yeah, I've already got the pomade and everything. I didn't even know what I'm listening to. Um, so I was, like, messing around with other, um, like, I, I wanted to use Spotify as, like, some sort of background music yeah. thing. And it, it sounds a little weird, but I think it works for the most part. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll probably be Googling how to make a podcast while we're talking. <laughs> Yeah. I figure uh, the more sort of practice we get, the better it'll get. Yeah, exactly. The um, more functional it'll be. Yeah. On my, on my end, not to make you feel jealous leaving the uh, lower tax brackets, but <laughs> school is actually really easy this semester. Yeah. And, like, my sushi, the sushi job is, like, super chill. And by super chill, I mean I don't have any shifts, so I don't, I'm yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's actually a good time. Like, go in there, fold some napkins, watch yeah. whatever's on the, the food channel, and then go home. 
So what are you what are you doing in school then? Is it like just not a lot of classes right now, or what? It's mainly it it is classes, but it's not like it's not none of the like weeder classes where you know it's it's like three thousand people and they're all Asian and they're all like <laughs> and basically it's like how you do on the tests and then yeah. thank you go out the other. The, please enter meat grinder here and exit over there. So it's like insanity, but with math. <laughs> it is true. It is mathematical insanity. It's the original insanity. <laughs> is that racist? I can't decide. Like half half the things I want to say about insanity, I think might be racist, and I just I don't see. This is the thing where it's like there hasn't been an Asian person in the spotlight before. Right. Of in this in this. It's like Admiral spectrum. Yamamoto. And Pearl Harbor, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, I'm not sure. Can I say that? Like, that... No, you can't. I would say... Like, I would say... Like, saying... If... If uh, Jeremy Lin had, uh, like, a game where he was, like, five or six from the three-point line, you could say dropping bombs like Pearl Harbor. Yeah, right. But you could not... Could you? But you could not say... the, The chink in the armor thing was absolutely ridiculous. And, I mean... And for the writer to say that he's, like, never heard of a simile or a metaphor before in his life, or, like, a homonym, like, I had no idea this word had two meanings. When you're paid to be a fucking writer, yeah. is, that, that was absolutely absurd. But, to be fair, writing is really difficult, and especially when you're writing for serious literary magazines and publications like oh, yeah, exactly. ESPN.com. Right, I right. Mean, the, the, the scholarship general. level there is very high, so you, you got to expect that a guy's going to keep up on that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, let's be honest, those are the James Joyce's of our time. Right. And our, our, you know, modern Hunter S. Thompson's. Yeah, exactly. Right. There. right. I mean, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble for that sort of headline. Right. They're, they're going... Right. They're taking the road less traveled in an office with a 401k. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's our fault. Maybe right. we've, uh, you know, we're so close-minded. We just can't appreciate it. We're boxing them but in. There's a deeper message there. You know, he's, he's, he's sort of conveying more than we can possibly. Oh, seriously? No, hold on. Amy's taking a shower, and why Why does every house have a fire alarm right by the bathroom? And why Why is it only this year that, like, every single fire alarm, fire alarm that I've come in contact with is super susceptible to steam from the shower? Yeah, does it, does it not worry you that, like, I've heard fire alarms go off so often in my life for the most bullshit reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm really concerned that they don't actually work for fire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, I have a tremendous amount of evidence that they work for other things. I don't have a single piece of evidence that tells me they work for fire. Right. Cause yeah, no one smokes in their home, but it's like here, down here at the factory for fire alarms, we've tested it for Febreze sprays, <laughs> steam. A stiff breeze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and how are you doing on the how's the fire depart fire contingent working? Oh, uh, we gave them the weekend off. We haven't, yeah, we pretty much got them under wraps. Fire. Well, you know how budget cuts are. I mean, you gotta you gotta scale down somewhere. Fire. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So it's good to hear from you, man. I haven't. I I'm really sad that like. I mean, I was totally expecting this, that my computer would completely crash, and I can't see you specifically on the webcam, but, um... That must be, that must be really disappointing for you. It is, yeah. yeah your smiling face. Um, yeah, I mean, things but, are good. It's just, it's just, like, crazy busy, and, um, yeah, when it starts eating into the weekends, that's when I want to tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, disappear into the woods of Virginia somewhere. Right. Now, how how loose with uh, legal... I'll, I'll just tell for the listeners, Matthew, <laughs> you, are, <laughs> you are a lawyer in, uh, Was- in Washington, D.C. In the worst sense of the word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Occupy, Occupy D.C. was protesting Matt Crossman for, <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> <much>. for a week. <laughs> They were just, they were burning his picture, and, um, they, they made, they made a scarecrow of him and burned him as such. Honestly, like, if you made your list of top five most evil corporations in America, I guarantee you, at least two of them are companies that, like, I have directly done the work for. Which yeah. Which makes is fine. Feel warm, because I, I, I meant to, I actually meant to ask you when I was DC, have you seen the movie SLC Punk? Uh, I've seen parts of it. You have? Okay, yeah. you, you have to see the whole thing, or if anything else, the end. Because it's seriously, for a movie about punk rock, the end message is so in favor of lawyers. Almost every almost every attorney I know should see it. <laughs> I will check that out. Anything to make me feel better about <laughs> this horrendous right. thing I got myself into. Yeah. No, it's... Um, it's essentially the message at the end is like everyone, everyone on the outside is like, when you're punk rock, you don't like, you don't affiliate with the system, and you're you're off the grid, man. But the the main character in the end, spoiler alert, is um, he becomes a lawyer to. Uh, hey, what's up, Amy? We need to we need to get a filter on our shower, by the way. Anyways, um, he. He goes to law school and he starts tearing it up from the inside. So he's he's making he's punk rock, but he's also got a six figure job. That's true. I'll be the punk rock attorney. Yeah, that still does exactly what his boss tells him to do. Exactly what my boss tells me. <laughs> but I'll do it. I'll do it listening to some Jay Z in my office. I'll That's do fine. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, no. Just I'm shameless. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock some Lil Wayne. While writing a gigantic corporate brief, I'll do it. Right, just because you're going, care. yeah, just because you're going down to the orphanage doesn't mean you can't see walk there to close it down. That's true. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell you should see. I do a mean sea walk from my office to the fax machine. <laughs> it's it's amazing, and I'm hoping it comes up in my year end performance review. <laughs> it's like. I, I, Plan on focusing solely on that in my performance review. Right, it's like Matt, Matthew, you, you can't spell a goddamn thing right. You are, <laughs> <laughs> you are constantly saying the wrong thing. You have no presence in this office, but damn, can you move? <laughs> areas, uh, any areas for improvement for the next year? Well, I can pop, but my locking is yeah. so, <laughs> so far. Exactly. I'd like to work on that. Exactly. If I could get some mentorship on that, that'd be really good. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, well, uh, uh, Be- Behringer, our, our oldest partner, 
is is a is a classically trained pop and locker. Um, the yeah the walker the walker is not holding him back on that. Um, how how is uh how is the Occupy movement? Because that was actually the first in DC because that was actually the first time I'd seen it, and I was actually fascinated by the fact that it, it's just homeless people now. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. A couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. they finally went in and tried to clear the park. Right. And essentially now there's, I mean, there's a couple tents left. Yeah. But people aren't really, they're not allowed to sleep there anymore. They've taken a ton of it down. But back when they were actually clearing the park, um, everyone sort of expected this giant showdown. Yeah. And they, they had set this day where they were going to come in. It was a Monday. Right. They were going to come in and start enforcing the no sleeping bin. Uh-huh. And it was great. So, like, Occupy DC, the way it's set up, it's right there on K Street, which is in the middle of, you know, every evil lobbying and law firm in the city, which right. mine included. Right. So at noon on that day, they were going to start enforcing this no sleeping ban. And so not only were all the Wall- Occupy Wall Street people down there in the park, every single lawyer, lobbyist, like Looky Lou was down there to see some hippies get their heads bashed in, basically. <laughs> And it was hilarious because all the Occupy people are down there, like, getting ready for this showdown, and everybody's standing around watching, Right. and 12 o'clock hits, and here comes the police sirens. You hear them in the distance. It sounds like the cavalry's coming, like, hippie bashing is about to begin. Right. Everyone starts, like, grind. You can hear everyone just grinding their teeth, being like, oh, get those guys. It's, yeah, it's, like, about to go down. So all of the Occupy people sort of consolidate to the middle of the park. This is their reaction to hearing what sounds like a lot of cops on their way. Whoa. All consolidate around the statue, like, link arms, they're ready to go. Of course, all the lawyers and the lobbyists, upon hearing sirens, turn around and get the hell out of there as fast as they can. It's just this, like, mass exit of lawyers and lobbyists running away from these hippies. Really? Were they, like... Were they, like, looting it, or what? <laughs> no, I mean, they, like... Because everyone, everyone was sort of in the park, and right. when the cops oh. started to surround it, all the lawyers were just like, ah, I'm out of here. Like, I see. No part of this. Oh, man, how how funny would that be? It was, just, it was such a... Um, like, such an interesting sort of social division. Right, like, right. That's weird. Even, everyone down there to watch. That's, that's so bizarre, though. I mean, that's probably the difference why... The, the lawyers and business people are where they are and why the the protesters are where they are because, like, you would think the, the common person would say, I want to be as close to this as possible and see it. But the, law- but the lawyers, like, or any other business person would say, I could see this going awry for me somehow right. and I, <laughs> I, would hate, I would hate to have to explain that right. I'm in jail right now with, like... <laughs> With like hobo Carl because it's hard to explain to your boss why you got a billy club to the back of your neck yeah. at like <laughs> noon on a Monday. It's just not right. Um, it turned out to not be that confrontational. They sort of waited until the weekend to clear people out, and it it was sort of really disgusting. Once they moved everyone out, like they found tons of rats and like bottles of urine and it was all really disgusting yeah and now the park is just like i said it's pretty empty and it's just 
a wasteland. Like it's all the grass is dead. Like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's nice. My my opinion is like hopefully this sort of pushes them away from it being about occupying the park. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has evolved into sort of this. Their issue was we're going to hold onto this park, right? Like, and and when it becomes about camping and whether you can camp in this park, I think you lose sort of the broader public appeal of some of their positions, which, you know, they have they have some legitimate grievances and some legitimate things that they're upset about that I think the public can get behind. But when it sort of just becomes about camping, yeah, lose people. So hopefully this moves them in like a more productive direction. Right on. I always wonder how organized is the homeless population. Like, if if I was if I was homeless, I would like I would start an internet forum to share various tips between my fellow vagabonds. Where like what what signs on cardboard co- cardboard signs work best at lights, or <laughs> things like that. Is this, is this not the most inexplicable thing? How and maybe this is just an LA thing because uh-huh. I. I I don't spend as much time in libraries anymore as I used to. What? But in LA, I feel like the majority of homeless people have laptop computers. Right. Yeah. And what's they, the deal with that? And they know that makes, they know they have hotspots. Go for it. No, that just makes no sense to me. Right. Well, I mean, part of it is just like the standard of living here is so high that they probably did find that dumpster diving. And the uh, and the other side of it is that yeah I mean I think again I've I've always thought that like Los Angeles is such a maze by itself that yeah. just just living here your problem solving skills get better and and like so much like even when you're homeless and all you want to do is like pass out in a in a drunken stupor by noon you're still gonna like happen to stumble your way into like figuring out how to get how to how to find the best place to pass out in a drunken stupor so you don't get sunburned. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah, part of that is coming across a laptop and then figuring out where the closest Wi-Fi spot is. Like I've seen, I've seen homeless guys like camped out in people's garages cause they're like trying to, to like, uh, leech off their internet or whatever. I but, think, uh, the other thing that has to be considered is, in a place like Brentwood, the people you may think are homeless actually might just be it's eccentric millionaires. Like, there's really... Right. It's very hard to tell in that town. Everyone sort of dra- dresses in, like, hobo chic. It's, it's really yeah. difficult. Like, you don't, you don't really know. Right. It's a, it's a sign of the times. There was um, a, a roommate of mine had a... Uh, he was a banker at Wells Fargo, and they had a policy that it was like, if you see a guy in a Hawaiian shirt and board shorts... You give you roll out the red carpet for him because he he could be he could be the owner of Scott Trade or said or any said company, but that's just how they, that's just how they roll sometimes. I feel like I need to wear more Hawaiian shirts and board yeah. shirts. <laughs> right, just just in case. It's like I, a standing national policy. If you walk in, because I mean, <laughs> let's be real: who wears a Hawaiian shirt, shirt and board shorts unless you're obscenely wealthy and totally yeah. out of touch with what's appropriate to wear to a bank. Yeah, or or your Jimmy Buffett in the same. That's true. But in the same light, then you're also a millionaire, so they should be they should be bowing at your feet, anyways. And such a talented musician. I mean, I have never heard a Jimmy Buffett song. 
When I want some, you know, really poignant, just tug at your heartstrings songs about margaritas Mar- and Key West. <laughs> which, go hand, which go hand in hand together. Um, so, let's see, what else? I, the other day I was driving to school and I found, um, there was a woman next to me on a motorcycle in a corset, which I had never seen before. And is, is, is Lisa around? No. No? Okay. Um, yeah, I... I had no idea. Normally, I, I play it cool, but, like, I was just, this was, this was one of these moments, these moments as a guy where some, sometimes you will risk life and limb just, <laughs> just to, just to sneak the slightest, smallest, subtlest peek at a boob. And I don't know, like, like, no, normally I'm okay and I don't, like, get distracted when I'm driving, but I was like, this is such, it was such a bizarre scenario that I was like, I just had to, I, I almost drove into the center divider, is the point <laughs> of the story. I just, I, I look forward to hearing you both explain to the police with yeah. the police report, why the accident happened, right. and then you explain to your fiance why your car is <laughs> the black The black box on uh, my car actually monitors my eye movement. <laughs> monitors eye tracking when yeah. you're trying to look at boots. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it's well documented that the corsets are essential safety gear for motorcycle riders. Right. Well, no, I could say I was I was worried for her safety more than anything. Yeah. Because that's. I mean, was she not using it properly? I mean, it's, that's an. She yeah, she was lane she was lane splitting very uh, close, and I was just trying to make sure that she didn't get into a serious accident. I, I just know it's key to maintaining sort of a, a real aerodynamic form right. while you're on your bike. Yeah. Jo- job it, number. It, it, there would be too much drag. I mean, that's just yeah. It's about the worst thing that could happen. Right. Jo- job number one is dressing appropriately and. Uh-huh. And I took it upon myself to evaluate the outfit for her. Yeah, she absolutely appreciated the fact that you almost passed your cover. That's right. That's why she wears a corset when she drives a motorcycle. Exactly. So, uh, you have a blog regarding uh, cocktails and your various adventures in cocktails. Is this correct, Matt Crossman? That's right. I'll bleep out your name later, I swear. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, lawandlibations.wordpress.com, uh-huh. and it's basically a documentation of what a raging alcoholic is. <laughs> <laughs> which, which makes it productive, and, right. and I would venture, uh, no matter how much alcohol you consume, you can say it's for business. Look, and the fact is, when you're drinking some sort of super intricate cocktail with handcrafted bitters and some strange Italian vermouth, uh-huh. it's it's very easy to deflect accusations of, of being a raging alcoholic because a raging alcoholic is just going to go for you know, give me right. give me like straight whiskey or give me you know. Give me some vodka. Give me some gin. Right, right. When there's like twelve ingredients and it's smoked and it's you know repurposed ice, it's so, you know when there's that much work put into it, it's right. it's it's almost like a second job. Exactly. 
The yeah. drunk alcoholic isn't going to wait for the bartender to not not only juice the lime that's going to go in your drink, but they actually grow it while you right. sit there at the bar. Right, right. And they got the little plant there, put some fertilizer on it, and you got to sit there and wait. Right. It's like I just I just planted the basil this morning, so um, I'd say I'd say late spring is probably a good time. <laughs> Come back. Good time, good time uh, for your mojito. We'll yeah. Also, it's going to be forty five dollars. For the drink because we have to have somebody wait here. Yeah, we 24 have twenty four hours round the clock. We have a gardener. We have a gardener. <laughs> what about you? Are you still making drinks? I I'm working through your the cab the liquor that you bequeathed upon me when you moved over to the East Coast. Um, yes. For those of you that don't know, and I'm ashamed that you don't know my personal liquor cabinet. So, but <laughs> um, but when. When Matt moved to the East Coast, the moving company said that they couldn't move li- liquid bottles or something. It was some kind of like airline formality thing. And he gave me his entire liquor cabinet of like of rums and Campari and various liquors that he'd had people get from duty freeze from around the world. And I, being a Charles Shaman myself, immediately ascended into uh cocktail snobbery and i'm actually working through it um i don't i don't make the the achy face when i drink whiskey now straight yeah and i'm i'm almost done with the gin uh i've i finished the i was making aperol negronis for a while which is uh what gin gin aperol and vermouth yeah correct yeah and then the last and then my dad my dad's so weird. Whenever I go visit him, he always like he always like stuffs something in my pocket at the last second, like some random food. And he's like, "You'll need." He's like, "You'll need this for the road." Like, like when I moved out of the the house, he like went into the pantry and gave me a like a stack of five cans of tuna fish and was like, "Here, here you go. <laughs> this is this is my this is my my uh, care package for sending you off into the world." And then the last time I was up there, he gave me. Like a half finished box of rosemary sprigs, <laughs> and he was like, "There, there you go, you're you're welcome." And I was like, "Um, sweet, okay." And so I I did the best thing I could, and I've I've been using them, but it's like you have to really force them to put like a rosemary sprig in the stuff. But it actually yeah. worked as, as like a nice little stir, a non holiday stir. I like it. Or, yeah. And the so, bad news is, it sounds like your dad is slowly giving you your inheritance while he's still around. <laughs> so there's going to be, yeah. I mean, those five cans of tuna fish have been in your family for a generation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, what more could you want? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. It's like, my, our family worked damn hard for that plastic, ba- plastic <laughs> bag of Pepper Farm goldfish, and... <laughs> I'll be damned your, if you're gonna. Your grandfather survived off of the other half of those rosemary <laughs> stems during the depression. Yeah, exactly. And we held on to them, right? So don't be don't be frivolous with them. <laughs> Say, yeah, creating general generational wealth with your tuna fish cans. Think of the, think of the children. Think of your children. Think, think of the interest that those tuna fish cans. Yeah, have. exactly. Pretty soon you'll have a sixth tuna fish can. I I I can only hope. <laughs> it's it's up to the fates. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of been my my uh, area. 
uh, or that's that's been my world as far as alcohol is concerned. And, and I'm like, it's hard because every time I finish a bottle, it's like, damn, that just cut off that many drinks that I could have made prior. It's crazy but, expensive too to have sort of a functioning bottle collection, right? Know? But the but I will say that because you gave me that collection, when I go to the store, like where as before I would have just walked by the liquor cabinet, um, now I actually go and look down, the, just give it a scan and see what's what's cheap, just to see what I can, if I could afford, like if I could swing it to to buy another bottle of something. So it's like you know once you, like any addiction, um, excuse me, hobby. Um, you know, once you're in the rhythm of it for a little while, then you yeah. your tastes get accustomed as such. And the more stuff you have, it's sort of like you'll come across a recipe, and it's like, oh, well, I only need one other thing to make that. You know, right. that's not so bad. Yeah, exactly. You just have to buy all five bottles. Right. It's like like getting the staples. Like I don't know, if you if you cook, then like if you get fl- if you get flour and all that other stuff, then everything else will fall into place, and it's just like a less daunting task to stop off at the store. Do you feel like the fact that, because you certainly cook a lot more than I do, which mm. I cook zero amount. Right. Um, I can make funfetti cupcakes from Ooh. the box. Pretty good <laughs> do, at that. Do share. Um, but do you feel like that helps with you making cocktails? Do you think it translates? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think in, in this great crash test simulation of life, <laughs> I... I, I would I would think that all it takes is like curiosity, and yeah. while uh, the the sneers and stares from Amy saying no no fucking way am I gonna eat whatever you just made, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say in, <laughs> I wouldn't say encourages it, but uh, you know you gotta as long as you have that like experimental nature, then you're gonna yeah it will translate. I just had all of college to like really let it sink in, or, or to embar- embarrass myself cooking on my own time, <laughs> or, or by myself, and then just sit eating, like, a burnt pot, a burnt, like, pan of, you know, whatever, whatever I didn't make, right? So tasty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was so great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, nothing. All the memories, they're just flooding back burnt pans of stuff. Right, yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like... I mean, it, it's like beer making now, where someone's like, "Oh, I just made a, I just made my own batch of beer. You gotta try some." And it's like, <laughs> that's like what potlucks were in college. It's like, oh, do I really? Oh, okay. And um, these are with Berkeley kids, right? Yeah. So it was like it was like quinoa and bulgur wheat. Um, just, uh, just real, real tasty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. N- nothing. You know, those those people know how to live it up food-wise. So, I think I sent you uh, the article from LA just a couple weeks ago about the youngest kid from Home Improvement getting caught smoking pot in his uh, yes. Honda Civic. Yes, absolutely. A Civic, a great car, by the way. <laughs> a real quality, quality right. car. You know, you know. I feel, I feel like that's like all, that story is all you need to know. To be able to piece together the last fifteen years what, of that guy's life, right? What? What is? Where has this guy gone? <laughs> yeah, what is he driving? That's all you need to know. 
Mm-hmm. You've got all the information you need to know exactly what he's been up to for the last 15 years. Right. <laughs> I think he applied at my restaurant. <laughs> we, we turned him away. He, he didn't have a resume and he reeked a pot. It's hard, though, because, I mean, on the show, it was, uh, if I recall correctly, it was Brad who got caught with the pot on Home Improvement. Wait, I didn't... I didn't watch it that far. That show went on forever, right? Like, I I only... I stopped watching, like... The last episode I remember was... Wait, Tim Allen hurt himself trying to repair something? <laughs> and then they had a discussion then, in the backyard with the guy's face that you couldn't see. Yeah, yeah, and Wilson Wilson gave him uh, a piece of Socratian advice to which he tried <laughs> to which he tried to pair it back to someone, but he did it wrong. Uh, it's coming back to me... Oh, there were some grunting sounds in there yeah, too. Yeah. No, all no. The only thing that the one the last episode that I honestly remember was um, where they Tim Allen, Tim and the old kid with the mullet. That's Brad. Yeah. He uh, they needed a they they made a code word for I love you, which was like, <laughs> which was how about those lions, which is <laughs> depressing in itself. You know, it's, but, it's always good to have your sort of family television show reinforce the fact that father and, and sons can't share emotions with yeah. each other. <laughs> sort of yeah, exactly. It's really healthy, sort right. of what we should be aiming for. Yeah, it's the it's the American way. If Even on the sitcoms with a script, they can't, they can't truly I, I express their what, emotions. Uh, I wonder what Al is up to. Al, is that the guy's name? Yeah, no. Al was Al was the sh- Al was the shooting star out of all of them. He was yeah, on. I mean, he was on Family really, Feud. He's sitting on his laurels now. See, I wouldn't be surprised if Al is actually working at like a Home Depot right now. Like, yeah, banging out some great work in his flannel shirt. Right. I bet. I bet the beard's a little. I mean, obviously, when you're on television, you got to keep that beard kind of tight. I bet it's. It I bet it's gone a little bit. I bet he, it's. It's a little scraggly. He uses. He's. He looks like a, a three gauge on the the electric trimmer. <laughs> Is that about right? Well, having grown having grown fine f- five uh, follicles of facial hair in my life, <laughs> I definitely picture him in the like orange Home Depot vest. Just he, yeah, yeah, on, just, on. just never been happier. Working that forklift. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's pro- that guy's probably such a like. A hol- he's he's getting a spray tan right now. He's like the biggest Hollywood douche. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, um, he just sits at sits at bars and yeah catches some girls. I like. Oh, you're trying to place me, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Here, don't have to think too hard. Right. It's, and then, that's right. It's me. He pulls he pulls out a hammer and a nail, and in one and in one pound, he nails it into the bar all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, is it is it looking more familiar now? Which is why he's been kicked out of. Three fourths of the bars in Hollywood. Right, for right. Damaged shit to the bar. He's just you, not welcome in places right. anymore. <laughs> Wrapping his tape measure around, putting his tape measure up to women's chests. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, please move, carry on. Um, I feel like there would be Al groupies out there, right? I'm sure they would. I'm sure there are. Yeah, but wait, so, but Brad got caught. May, uh, with pot on an episode? So on the actual show, yeah, Brad got caught with pot. Okay. I, I believe there's... I, I looked this up when this whole thing... What, what is the youngest kid's name? When this, when this story dropped? Mark. Yeah, Mark. This, that, Mark. That just... Wow. How did that come out of my brain? 
when this uh, when this story dropped, I looked I looked it up, and um, yeah, it's like on YouTube. There's clips of they find pot in the house, and it turns out that it's Brad. One of these very serious serious home improvement episodes. Yeah, yeah. And also, you, you sort of expected that JTT would be the one who yeah. spectacularly flamed out, or maybe. I guess maybe he's on to harder drugs than pot. Pot's too right. That would be pot's... that would be more like in if they made if they did a remake of Home Improvement. I think they could bring it back now in in the sort of post-apocalyptic state that the Detroit is in now. <laughs> I think that Home Improvement would be so much that much more relevant to the, to the zeitgeist of 2012 if it came back now and everyone was like, scra- yeah, they were like scraping scraping by. They like. They eat Wilson. <laughs> Wilson lost his 401k. Right, right. Just sort of... Yeah, they're all... Scraping by. Right. They're all just attaching rail guns to their cars. <laughs> <laughs> At least the lines are good, though. I mean, that's, you know... Yeah. That's a positive. Right, right. Um, it's one good thing. Yeah, I, I don't... You know... <laughs> I haven't picked up the latest edition of Tiger Beat, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure where JTT is at this point. <laughs> And like, yeah. I feel like he's doing Amy heroin just, somewhere. Amy just said, "Love JTT." I think he's he's probably in some uh, Santa Monica apartment doing heroin, and he's got every season of Home Improvement on DVD, and he just right. sits there, what were, watches it. What the the, oh. digi- the digital picture frame? All day, yeah. On his on on his front door, just running. <laughs> Do you think he still has the like moppy haircut? I, I'm sure he does. I would think he'd have to hold on to that. Or he's probably, you know, in all in all honesty, he's probably starting to lose the hair. And so he's, he's got the moppy haircut wig that yeah. he, he wears out so that, like, you know, so that he gets recognized. Yeah, and he and just so he can do the hair flip, he probably has, like, an uh, like extra adhesive for, for the actual mop to cover it up. <laughs> I don't know. I... This is one of those things where, like, I'm waiting for baldness to hit, like, any second, because is it, it's your mother's father? Yeah. Is that, is that proven, or is that a wives' tale? I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, that's what I've been told as well, but my grandpa is, like, I, he started going bald at, like, 17, so. Right. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because we all know that, I, I had a friend like that in high school who will remain nameless for five minutes until I accidentally <laughs> say his name, uh, who, like, was going bald by senior year. And, and like, yeah, his dad was a total... His dad was, like, a cue ball, too. I never saw, met his grandpa, but, like, I am I am due for, like, my hair all coming out in one, like, fell swoop. Much, I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah. Much akin to... Did... In Full House, did not... <laughs> Did not Uncle Jesse have an... I know he had an instance where he started getting gray hairs, which was a huge uproar <laughs> in the Full House community, but did he lose hairs, or am I just, like, freaking out? I can't... I I feel like that would be a classic storyline. Yeah. Sort of this existential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> because he loves his hair so much. That's a, that's a spinoff show right there. I really, I love that we can bring it all back every time to some sort of '90s uh, television show. I don't. Television know. I I watch a buttload of current television. Oh no, I don't watch it. 
but my fiance watches it. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit there to support. Because you're passive. Yeah. You're, you're a passive watcher. Because I have big important things to do with yeah. my time. <laughs> but podcasting. But yeah, podcasting, uh, checking, making sure that all my important uh, emails are read in my inbox. <laughs> Looking up other Gmail plugins. Just I, my schedule is booked. You hardly have any time for yourself, really. Right, right. But so, so I make the time so we have something for us to do together. And right. I, you know, maybe this podcast will change things, but literally, I can't recall a TV show I've watched since I turned twenty-one. Maybe there's an alcohol-related correlation there, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, nothing sticks like those old shows. And I think this is what, this is the process of getting old, is you saying, I'm sorry, this is not, this, this doesn't oh, wow. relate to me. <laughs> however, however, I, I will never forget when DJ won the tickets to the Beach Boys. <laughs> my, my, uh, my Full House Beach Boy episode is definitely the one in Hawaii where they think they're stranded on a desert island, uh, and they want they, like, walk on to the other side of the island, and it turns out they're on the island they thought they were supposed to be on, and the Beach Boys are playing a big show. I, and they all come on stage. No, I don't I recall that one. That's a classic. <laughs> I'll look it up. I, I'm sorry. I'm ashamed for myself and the, totally and the integrity of this podcast, which is <laughs> going on 40 minutes now. Well done. I feel like for uh, research purposes, we should both sit down and watch the entire season seasons of... Many of these television shows just just to firmly root ourselves right. for these discussions. Yeah, <laughs> here, ladies and gentlemen, Eden and Matt bringing you the the hard hating topics of today. <laughs> <laughs> Sitcoms from twenty plus years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, we could have a a Boy Meets World season. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Saved by the Bell. It's it's all it's all in there. Um, but uh, these are the things, this, these are the things this, that shaped like, our generation. I had this very, very bizarre moment the other day, mm-hmm. speaking of, uh, old sitcoms. Right. Uh, Lisa and I have been watching, Lisa and my fiance, we've been right. watching, or my wife. Your wife. My wife. Whoa there. Yikes. Already uh, the we've been watching Californication. Yes, okay. On Showtime. Right. Really good show, like, very interesting. Um, David Duchovny, who I sort of hated right. because of the X-Files, I've uh-huh. totally come around on. Anyways, good show. I, uh, what, I, have, I have not watched that show. What's the premise again? So the premise is uh, he's this writer who moved out to L.A. Uh-huh. He wrote this book. Uh, it got made into a movie, but it got made into this sappy romantic comedy, so he's all bitter about that. Okay. He's sort of got this estranged relationship with the love of his life and the daughter that they have together. Right. Um, so lots of, like, L.A. hijinks. They live in Venice. Um, it's cool. It's it's sort of like him dealing with this family that he's got. Also, he's a raging alcoholic and sex addict, so that's sort of the, like... So you can relate. Yeah, so I totally relate to that. <laughs> right. Uh, anyways... In one of the first episodes, and this this doesn't really spoil anything. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll do my best not to spoil anything, sure. except for probably the first episode. <laughs> uh, he ends up... And the season finale. 
Yeah, and like the entire premise of the show, the entire storyline. I'm just gonna go ahead and ruin it for you right now. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say this. He ends up having sex with this woman in the first episode who turns out to be a recurring character. Uh-huh. And you know, you see her top list, like it's it's showtime. Nice. They 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 do this to draw on viewers. Right. Anyways, we're like Which didn't work a at all for us. We're like a season or two into watching this television show. Yeah, she's a recurring character. Again, you've seen her topless. She's like, sort you, of. You know this person now. She's very, she's very dirty. Right. Uh, and Lisa turns to me. She's like, "Oh my god, do you know who that is?" Uh. And I'm like, um, "No." Turns out it's the littlest, youngest girl on the nanny. The, like, little girl of the family. What? All grown up. Uh, yeah, I know. It was, it, like... Uh, wait, it was, was that... It was this horrendous, horrendous moment. What was it? That, that wasn't the same kid that did, um... Uh, what was that movie with the otter, Andre? And Karina, <laughs> Karina? Was that, was that that no, girl? Is she... I'm really... I, I hate to report that I <laughs> haven't seen this movie I, with an otter. Oh, no, I didn't see it either, but it's just that this girl... Um, she was in it, okay. But, <laughs> she's probably a topless age now, too. <laughs> it, like, it totally blows your mind, though. It's totally inappropriate. Okay. Right, no, it is. Um, and that's why, uh, it's so weird to get old. It's, uh, incredibly depressing. Yeah. And the worst thing ever. Right on. Uh, I actually, I took in, oh, well, first... Keeping on on television shows, and I know you watch this because your wife uh, got my fiance hooked <laughs> hooked on this staple of American television. So it's my fault, man. Oh yeah, um, the the show Toddlers and Tiaras. Ah uh, yes. You may be familiar. Uh, <laughs> there's not much that I can get. There's not much that I can get behind in this world, but that show is that and Dance Moms. Oh, yeah. Is what is what keeps me going. How are there people like that actually out there in the world? Like, are are these the people They're that are voting me. for Rick Santorum? Is that like yes? That's who it is, right? Yes, exactly. Like, you don't believe these people exist, but they're out there, right? No, they're it's... dressing their four-year-olds up like eighteen-year-old hookers, right? And you know, it's all. I mean, it's all a. A product of the entertainment industry, whatever. But uh, I don't know. Like, it's the racket of it is just mind-boggling. Like, yeah. they're for the for the many pro- working professional moms that are on the show, <laughs> i.e., uh, couponers who <laughs> must do who must do a lot with numbers and math. Like, I mean, that's basic. You're basically a CPA if you're a professional right. couponer. A couponer is someone who does not work but devotes their time to finding coupons to save money to get by doing nothing, but all your time is spent cutting paper. Yeah, I, I remember from college, economics, yeah. this idea of opportunity cost. Right. Like, what are you giving up by doing something else? Like, it, it costs, every decision you make costs something. It costs you time, time resources, whatever. So, yeah. Like, if these people got a job doing what they're obviously very good at doing... Right. I, I would... I mean... I don't know. I would imagine... Are you going? Okay. Bye. Love you. 
Uh, yeah, I would imagine that that's energy well spent. However, I don't think they're the same type of people that would... I couldn't see them really turning a company around with their yeah. with their insights. I mean, I think they're good where they are. The coupon, also, but but I would like to see some sort of graduate program spark like spring up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be like when I was matriculating at Cornell, <laughs> doing some grad study in uh, tar- tar- Target uh, and. Target and Walmart uh, special couponing. Couponometrics or yeah, yeah. Couponomics. Right, you could you could you can make up your own title. Also, I feel like there's got to be a place, some sort of special position in corporate America for the dance moms. Isn't there? Doesn't every office have a dedicated, um, like, director of? Raging meddling bitches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it I feel work. like that's it's like it's like a daycare for the wives for the working right. for the working men. Where they there's mar- martinis at <laughs> martinis start at nine thirty a.m. and uh, and then uh, there's there's an hour hour segment of them encouraging to push their daughters towards stardom and the entertainment industry and uh, working a stripper pole. <laughs> and then they pretty much just go yeah and then after afternoon there's nap time aka martini pass out from the martinis and then uh continue to poison their minds thinking their children will be stars like have you heard of this this is an actual thing these helicopter parents the what it blows my mind it's this whole generation where the parents are so involved like I was reading some article, they're talking about how employers will get telephone calls from the parents. Right. Or for interviews, or get resumes that were clearly written by the parents, or right. the parents will come with them to interviews. I can't imagine this. They had, Amy's uh, cousin just had an interview for a kinder- kindergarten. And I was thinking, like, what, did she provide a resume? Like... <laughs> What has this kid done? In, what has this, this kid done in the last five years? What's let me see her, her history. What what Where's can you published? What can, what can, yeah? What can you produce? Are you are you published? <laughs> to be fair, maybe this just means that our parents don't love us, right? As much as those parents love their kids. Yeah, probably. I, I Which mean, is probably more likely. Yeah, because we're the worst. If you're not a household name by four, yeah. then you might might as well just walk down, walk your way down to McDonald's. Might as well just give up. Yeah. If exactly. you're not on track at kindergarten, it's might as well just call. However, there is a bright future in podcasts for you. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, who, those who can do, those who can't podcast. podcast. <laughs> oh man, Matt Crossman. Again, I'll, I'll I'll bleep your name out. It's okay. I'm All just right. incredibly bitter about having a real job uh, and having to be an adult. As you should be. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a blessing to work part time minimum wage. Um, I took in a movie last night called by one Kevin Smith called Red State. Have you heard of this? Okay. No. It's um, I mean it's it's a caricature of a midwestern town. I was I I don't recall exactly where it was. If there, if there was a specific place, but um, 
it's essentially like it starts out with these kids that get a hold of this app where there's like what is it where you can just like find find like fuck buddies in your area or whatever and they they find one in their like small small town or whatever and they go to this trailer out in the middle of nowhere and they they end up getting drugged and like captured by these like by these like bible thumping uh someone call them extremists <laughs> but there it ends up being this like shootout with the FBI because they're like murdering sinners and stuff and, yeah like i did like an uplifting movie yeah no it was one good for the kids i'm <laughs> I, I don't know if it came out around the holidays, but some definitely something <laughs> to see on Christmas morning with the fam. But, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I grew up in Santa Cruz and then moved to Berkeley. And you, you are, you are a Davis man yourself, correct? I am. Yeah. And so, so I've always had this like issue, this thing where I didn't realize that I was in this kind of what is it, left bubble of leftyism, <laughs> and I don't like. I'm Wait, not actually. You were just about like that. Uh, well, <laughs> the fact, yeah, the fact that there was only sunflower oil <laughs> instead of gas available, <laughs> uh, that just never that just never struck me as being being weird, or or the or the fact that there was public floggings for littering, that. <laughs> I I never I never took that as being as being outside of the norm, but apparently that's not how the rest of the world actually is. Um, but but there's a term that I believe there's a book about, but I don't remember exactly what it is called liberal fascism, which I feel like I feel like I owe it to you know the 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 right the right side of the political spectrum to to at least say that like. Even though you are, like, even though there are a lot of weird things in in the conservative culture, the 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 left the liberal side of it is just as judgmental as any any sort of clan rally. <laughs> when it comes to Republicans, I've talked no, I've talked to like like liberals before that are like, if if I was on a first date. The first question that I would ask is, "Are you a Republican?" And if they said yes, I would just get up. I would just get up and walk out of the restaurant. And it's like, seriously, that's like so. It's uh, what's the word? It's hypocritical in a way. And it's and it's just like that. I I felt I I love Kevin Smith, but I just this was like such a gross. This is a, was just a portrayal of the most eccentric side of what probably does exist in conservative yeah. religious culture, but it just like reminded me of a friend of mine who is like a Republican who grew up in Santa Cruz, and he was like, "I just can't. I feel like I have to hide who I really am around here. I can't be. <laughs> I can't be my." He was like in a closet Republican <laughs> because, because he was worried about getting like. I, I don't know, like, tarred and feathered by the the very, the the army of of dreadlocked dreadlocked white UCSC students 
that were... A pacifist army. Right, right, exactly. And it's like, isn't that kind of, like... At the, en- at the end of the day, like, what the liberals have... The beef that the liberals have with, like, the conservative side is they, they are essentially telling the other side how to live. Yeah. But... It, you know, in saying that we have to have these certain ethics or whatever, but then on the le- the left is doing the same thing, in a very in in a weird way, but because like just the with the media the media and just this movie, it felt like I would be kind of like if I were a conservative, I would feel like this was a gross portrayal. Yeah, but I think I think part of that is. Um, on both ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. the people who are the loudest yeah. are the people who are the furthest out. Yeah. And so, you, you because they're so loud, because they're the ones making the most noise, uh-huh. they seem disproportionately bigger than they are. Like, there's more of them than there are, because you don't hear from the moderates. Yeah. The moderates don't care. But I think there's a lot more people who aren't as far apart from each other as as, like, the media or movies like this might try to portray. Like, uh-huh. I don't... I, I feel like the vast majority of us are sort of more towards the center, but it's the ones on the ends that are making the noise and making both sides seem crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it is true. I mean, when you are... When you are a reasonable person, you have no inclination to broadcast your voice and opinion. Right. <laughs> on a podcast. What does that say about us? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, I've I've already had my whiskey for the day. I don't know about you. <laughs> Just to be clear, uh, you're three hours behind me, and it's what like ten thirty a.m. there. Yes, exactly. So, right. but that's fine, and we're uh, we're pushing an hour here. So, Perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I think there could be some sort of mediation, and I think that's kind of where it's going. But but it's just yeah I agree that um, it makes you you will be branded better if you actually have a firm strong stance on one side or the other. But it's just so hard to get to that like me, that final melting pot melting point where every where the sa- like the dust settles and everything's at equilibrium. Yeah. And I don't know I mean. I I don't like I think the the next topic in the next fifty years or a hundred years or whatever is going to be straightening out the whole Republican Democrat uh, like find finding some other non nondescript PC way to distinguish the two yeah just so there isn't like a party and then you know a hundred years from now those those words are gonna draw a line in the sand. But, um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you that I think the other, that the most eccentric sides are the only, are the representatives. Right. And it's kind of, uh, it's killing the mood a little bit. <laughs> um, so, we, we solved a lot of the world's problems by 10.30 a.m. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's pretty effective for right. round one. Yeah. Um, so, I guess this is us saying... Goodbye, good night, good luck, whatever you're doing, working out. Um, and yeah, man, good, good talking to you. We'll see this again sometime. All right, right on. I'm actually just gonna hit stop.
Sure. And then we can talk for real. Cool.